welcome to the Redeemer Coast podcast. Our prayer is that this message will inspire hope, build your faith, and encourage you with God's purposes for your life. turn with me to Romans chapter 1, and we'll start there. So we talked here about, we've been talking about the gospel starting last week, and what is the gospel, and what is it for? So let's start in Romans chapter 1, and we'll start in verse 15, and Paul says, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you. And that's what I'm speaking this morning to, as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach. To, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who also are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So this morning as I was praying, getting ready for this past week, I was thinking a lot about what is the gospel, what is it for, what does it mean, and there was just so much, it actually took me some time to actually just sit down and say, Lord, what is it exactly do you want me to talk? What is it that this church, that Redeemer Coast needs to hear right now? Because the gospel is so in-depth, and there's so much to it, I didn't want to just like make a bunch of points and then it not make sense. So I wanted to be very specific. And I thought about this exactly, that everyone needs good news, and that the gospel is the power of God in times of crisis. So we have all have been in a time of crisis at some point in our lives. And that if you're on this earth, you will experience a time of crisis, whether you like it or not. Jesus even said in John 16, he said that in the world you will have tribulation. And he said that even to his disciples. So just because we're believers, we're not exempt from trials and tribulations. But the good thing is Jesus didn't just say, in this world you will have tribulation and end it there. He said, in this world you will have tribulation, but... Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So this is exactly why everyone needs good news. When we're going through trials and tribulations, good news is what would be very helpful, right? So when you're going through something, whatever it may be, you want something you can depend on, you want something that is sure, you want something that gives you hope. And this is why I'm so thankful to have Jesus. Where else would we be without him, right? So, I mean, what else can we depend on when we're going through times of trial? Can we depend on loans? Can we depend on banks or governments if we need money or need our needs met? Can we depend upon doctors and hospitals to heal us? I mean, what happens when they don't know what's wrong with you? What happens when they can't diagnose you? Can we depend upon people to always be there for us, depend upon people to meet our emotional needs? When we're going through something, we need a sure thing. We need a truth. And this is something that I love um, when Jesus was preaching to his disciples, and he said some things that were hard to understand. And everybody got said that his disciples, not the 12, but the other disciples got offended at him, and they left him. And then Jesus turned around to his 12, and he said, are you guys going to leave too? And Peter said to him, where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. And that's how I view this, this gospel, this word, is where else on earth can we go? We can't go to hospitals, we can't depend upon people, we can't depend upon banks and our businesses. Where else can we go? And this is the word of eternal life. So this is what this book is. It is truth and it is life. 
And this is where true good news can be found. So let's turn to uh, Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse, uh, we'll start in verse 16. And it says, And Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. I find that interesting. That was his custom. Every Sunday, or on the Sabbath day, he went to church. That was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And when he had unrolled the scroll, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So that is good news, isn't it? He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. And so what exactly is the gospel? And I know Pastor Graham's been teaching on that a little bit as well. And I was doing some research on it as well. And gospel, as simply put, for what our purpose is this morning, is the gospel is good news. And this is exactly what Jesus was doing, that this is the good news. This is the assignment of Jesus, is to tell the good news. Jesus Christ, like that was his, Christ isn't his last name. Christ is the anointing. That's the anointed one and his anointing. And so that's what this was, this is what he was anointed to do, to preach the gospel to the poor, that he was sent to, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the, of the Lord. So what is good news for a poor, poor, a poor person? They don't have to be poor anymore. And what is, a good per, what is good news for a broken heart? That there is healing for your heart. What is good news for the captive? There is freedom. And what is good news for the blind? That there is healing for their eyes. And that's not even just talking about natural blindness, but even spiritual blindness. If you need some insight into the word, Jesus is the answer for all kinds of blindness as well. So whatever situation you would ever face, there is good news for you in this word. And let's go turn back to Romans 1.16 again. I would suggest putting your bookmark in Romans because we're going to be flipping back and forth. So Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Paul said he's not ashamed of the gospel. He's not ashamed of this good news. And why is he not ashamed? Because he has learned something about this gospel. This gospel is the power of God for salvation. It's not just talking about salvation so that we can go to heaven, but it's salvation that includes healing, it means deliverance, it means to be rescued, and it means safety as well. Everything that we would ever face on this earth is found in this one word, salvation. Everything we would ever need is found in that. If you need healing, you need provision, you need to be rescued from a situation, deliverance in a situation, it, this gospel is the power of God for your situation. And also the word power in that verse also means ability, it means strength, it means abundance, and it means might. So we could say it like this, that I am not ashamed of the gospel or the good news of Christ, for it is the power, it is the ability, the strength of God for our salvation, for our healing, for our deliverance, for our rescuing, and for our safety. That's what this is. And aren't you so glad that here we are in church? Every single week we get to hear this gospel. Every single week we get to hear good news that this is what we need. This is the answer to whatever you may be facing right now. That this is some very powerful good news. And I was just been thinking, like, if you think just about our natural news, 
in the, on, the, on those TV screens, and you see them on like newspapers or social media or on TV. Like that's just some news that's on every single day. But this good news is backed up by the power of God for our situation. That Paul was bold in this gospel, that he wasn't embarrassed or ashamed of it because he experienced it in his own life. He knows firsthand the effect of the gospel. So this isn't just some cheap good news that you can just hear anywhere. You know, we can turn the TV on, we can read newspapers, we can get the natural worldly news all the time on a consistent basis. But this is, this is news is from God, the creator of heaven and earth, that he has good news for everyone. Right? It says it is the power of God for salvation to everyone. So if this news is for everyone, then why isn't everyone hearing it? You know, there are good churches all over the Sunshine Coast. There's preachers on TV. You can, get, you can hear them all over social media, on YouTube. There's, we have so much access to hearing the gospel. But then why isn't everyone hearing it? And why would Paul say he's not ashamed of the gospel? I just find that he, interesting that he uses that word ashamed. So as I was just doing some studying in this, um, we'll kind of go into it. But just to simply put, because not everyone values this good news. Some people hear it and they just say, oh, whatever, that's just some religious junk that I don't care about. But they, have, they don't put any value on this power of God for salvation. Everyone needs this good news, but not everyone values this good news. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 13. And this is an example of exactly what has happened when people don't value the good news. So Matthew chapter 13, and we'll start in verse 53. And this is the exact same account that we just read in Luke chapter 4, where Jesus said that I am anointed, that God has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. That's the exact same account here. So starting in verse 53, and it says, When Jesus finished these parables, he departed from there. When he came to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue. So they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is he not the carpenter's son? Is his mother not called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this, did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work because of their unbelief. How could something so powerful lie dormant in someone's life. And that's why I have that picture of the bomb up there. Because a bomb is something extremely powerful, but it's completely, it just lies there unless someone ignites it. And so that's what the gospel is. The gospel is like a bomb. It is something that is so powerful, but can be completely, can, can lie ineffective in someone's life if someone does not value it, if someone does not believe it. And this is Jesus. Jesus spoke these words, and they didn't believe him. They were, it says that they were offended at him. And it says they, Jesus could there do no mighty work because of their unbelief. It's not that he wouldn't do any work. It's that he could not because of their unbelief. That's how much, just put, placing honor and placing value on this word, that's how much it will affect your life. Those people there, I can guarantee you that there was at least some, one person there who needed something from God, who needed healing, who needed deliverance, who needed provision, whatever it may have been but they completely missed their answer because they didn't value the word. And just, I mean, it's, imagine how many people out there, when we have the truth on the inside of us, we know the truth, and it's like, oh, they would just listen. They would just value the word, and they would, they would understand. And that's just, 
That's why this gospel is the bomb. This gospel is the answer to anything you would ever face in your entire life. So say that with me. The gospel is the bomb. <laughs> it's a good bomb. Not a destructive bomb. It is a helpful bomb. So from there, so this good news is for everyone that believes. So let's turn to Romans 1 again. And Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So it's for everyone who believes. So again, aren't you glad you're in a good church? A church that preaches the word, a church that builds your faith, where you hear the gospel on Sunday, you hear the gospel on Wednesdays, you're going to hear it on Facebook, on the news articles. You get the word put on the inside of you because the more you hear it, and then when you give attention to it, the more you put value upon it, the more it's going to actually work in your life. We want to get this gospel in our hearts. We want to get this gospel in our minds. And because this is the answer to every situation we would ever face. It's an entirely different way of living. God's word is our lifeline. and We hold on to it for dear life. You know, whenever you may be going through a crisis even right now or something even may be coming up in the future, this is your lifeline. You hold on to this thing with everything that's in you because this is the answer. This is what I'm going to put you over the top. This is where you're going to get your victory. So let's turn to, we'll start in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4, and we'll read in verse 2. And so Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4, um, the writer of Hebrews is talking about the Israelites um, and entering into the promised land. And if you guys know the story, um, the promised land, the, the Israelites sent out, or Moses sent out 12 spies to go check out this promised land. And the two spies, Joshua and Caleb, were like, yes, this is a land, let's go and possess it. And then the other 10 spies were all like, no, we're not taking this land, there's giants in there. We were like grasshoppers in their sights. And they said, we, that we, can't, we can't take it. And so the Israelites did not enter into the promised land because they chose to believe the um, 10 spies who were afraid of the giants. So that's what the Hebrews is talking about here in chapter 3 and chapter 4. And so we'll start in Hebrews 4, verse 1, and it says, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest remains, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to come short of it. For the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word preached did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith in those who heard it. So I just found that interesting that the gospel was preached to these Israelites, but it did not benefit them because they did not mix it with faith. So the, these Israelites, they heard the good news. They heard God say, this is your land that I've chosen for you. Go and possess it. But that did nothing for them because they didn't believe it. They did not value it, and they were more afraid of the, what the spies said than what God said. So the gospel was preached to them, but it did not benefit them. And that's why I believe we talk about this morning too is the good news, that this good news is so beneficial. This good news is so powerful that we want it operating in our lives, that we want to be aware of not valuing it and not actually putting faith and our trust in this gospel. So let's also go to Numbers chapter 13. So this is the account of the Israelites facing the giants, or the ten spies, I guess. The ten spies are going into that land to check it out. So Numbers 13, and we'll read in verse 31. Well, we'll start in verse 30. So the, ten spy, the 12 spies just came back, and they're talking to the Israelites about what they saw. So Caleb, so this is one of the, Caleb and Joshua are the ones who said, let's go and possess it. This is what Caleb says. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to, to overcome it. 
So that's, his, that's, how, that's what Caleb says. And then the other guys say, but the men that went up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people because they are stronger than we are. They gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which came from the giants, and in our eyes we were like grasshoppers, and so were we in their eyes. So you can hear two different ways of viewing this. You got Caleb and Joshua saying, let's take it. This is our land. We are well able to possess it. And then you got the other guys saying, yeah, no, this isn't happening. There's giants and we're like grasshoppers in their sight. So there's two different news reports here. You got a bad report and then you got God's report. And this is exactly the same thing that we face in our own lives that we will always have. There will be a good report and there will be a bad report. And it's up to you. Which one are you going to believe? Which one are you going to put value upon? Because God promised them this land flowing with milk and honey, that this was a good land, and then that good land was good news for those Israelites who just spent years in slavery, right? Saying that there is a land for you that will be your land, a land flowing with milk and honey. That was their good news. But this good news of a new land did not benefit them because they didn't believe it. They heard God say to them, go and take that land. And then they heard about the giants that the spies saw. And then we know from the history that they chose to believe the 10 spies. So, but as for us, you know, we're not of those who shrink back in fear, are we? Let's, read, let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. And I just like how Hebrews 10 puts this because this is who we are, I believe. Hebrews chapter 10, and we'll start in verse 38. And it says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has, has no pleasure, pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back, but we are of those who are of faith to the saving of the soul. So we are not of those who draw back, are we? We are of those who believe God and that we, take, we stand on his promises. So we are not ashamed of this gospel. We've experienced it in our own lives. We at one time were without hope in this world. We were at one time were lost. We were broke. We were sick. We were sad and lonely. But then we heard the gospel. We heard the good news that we didn't have to be poor anymore that we didn't have to be sick anymore, that we didn't have to be depressed or fearful or anxious anymore, that Jesus finished the work, that he paid the price, and now we hold on to this gospel, this good news for dear life, that we spend time listening to the good news, we spend time reading the good news because we value it more than anything else. Because this is our answer and this is what we spend our time reading, this is what we spend our time listening to because this is what's going to take us over to the other side. So um, you guys may have heard this story before, but when I was in Bible college, um, it was my first time being away from home, moved from Canada to Australia, and I was in Bible school and believing God for finances. And I had this, my first job for the first couple of months there was working at an um, Italian restaurant. And I was a waitress there, and it was not a good, not a good thing for me. I'm not a good waitress at all. Um, cause I actually had a hard time understanding the accent. I could not figure out like what you guys were saying sometimes. And then it's like dim lighting, and it's really they talk quiet too sometimes, and you're trying not to yell. But I'm like, I can't know. I don't know what you're saying to me. So, anyways, so that was my waitressing experience. But um, so I wasn't that good at it. And I'm not too sure if this is why my boss said to me that we have less shifts for you, or if they actually had less shifts. I don't know. I just hope for the best. But anyway, so she's like, yeah, Chloe, we ha we're not going to give you as many shifts now. I was like, oh, okay. So I just walk out, and I'm like, oh, man, like, how is this going to work? Because I have rent to be paid, food, 
and like student fees and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, how is this going to work? And the more that I thought about this problem, the more fear, fearful I got, the more worried I got because I was meditating on the problem. I was giving value to the problem. And I was just, yeah, I was just focusing on that. And I was biking home from work and I heard, just heard of this on the inside of me. The Lord just spoke to my heart and he said, um, he said, your circumstances may have changed, but my word has not changed. And that was something that was like, okay, that's the moment when you decide what are you going to believe? That whatever circumstance you may be facing in right now, that circumstance may be talking to you, maybe saying you're not going to have enough money, or you're going, that sickness is going to take over your life, you're never going to get healed. Um, you know, whether, whether it be in your marriage, that marriage is never going to get better, your kids are never going to get better. Something may be talking to you. That's one thing, that's the bad report. But then we got this on this side. We've got the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation. We have the answer in this book. So the question is, what are you going to believe? And so at that moment when the Lord said, your circumstances may have changed, but my word has not changed. The thing is, it's like, that's totally up to me now, is that I can either continue to worry about my finances, or I can take what God said and say, Lord, I believe you no matter what. And thankfully, because of his grace, I chose to believe God. It is way more fun to believe God than it is to just wallow in self-pity. So, yeah, I was like, it's more, it's more, it's an adventure of faith. If you read in Hebrews chapter 11, I suggest even reading Hebrews 11, it is a fun chapter to read because it's the heroes of faith. It is all those people who believe in God for um, children, believe in God for healing, miracles happened, David killing giants. It's amazing. So if you need to pick, pick me up in your faith, read Hebrews 11 out loud. It is a good one. So I chose to believe God, and I can tell you I'm still here today. I never missed a meal. I never missed a rent payment. I never missed a bill. All of my school fees were paid for. And to tell you the truth, I don't even know how it all worked. It just kind of works together. And that's how it is with God. It's not always some massive, supernatural, huge explosion. But it's, it's just, it, works, it works out. It always works out. That we have the good news. That we have a reason to be cheerful. And that's why I love it with um, these songs. And the, when we come into worship, that we're always so happy. They're always praise songs. Have you noticed when you come in, they're praise songs? They're not like, oh Lord, why me? I'm sorry that I'm here. I'm such a worm. Aren't you glad? You think you come into church and you're excited because we got so much to be thankful for. There's, there's a gospel that we have to be preached. So that's why I'm excited about this. So that was my personal testimony. But I want to take you to Jairus' story in Mark chapter 5. And Jairus was a ruler in the synagogue who was going through a crisis and he needed some good news. So Mark chapter 5, and we'll start in verse 21. So when Jesus had crossed again by boat to the other side, many people gathered to him, and he was beside the sea. One of the rulers of the synagogue, named Jairus, saw Jesus and came and fell at his feet, and earnestly asked him, My little daughter is lying at the point of death. I ask you, come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him. And many people followed him and pressed in on him. And a certain woman had a hemorrhage for 12 years and suffered much under many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was not better, but rather grew worse. So all of a sudden, this woman, so Jairus is in middle of a crisis, right? His daughter is about to die. And he summons Jesus, Jesus come and she will be healed. So Jesus goes on his way. And then all of a sudden, there's this woman 
touches him, and all of a sudden he stops. And we'll just read in there from verse 27. Um, When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the crowd behind him and touched his garment, for she said, if I may touch his garments, I shall be healed. And immediately her hemorrhage dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. So at once Jesus knew within himself that power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing against you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done it. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the entire truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So this is all happening. Jairus is still standing there like, okay, my daughter is at the point of death. Come, and this woman is here and telling her whole story of, why, of how she got healed and that she had many physicians and she spent all that she had and nothing worked, but this worked. So, I mean, praise God that this woman was healed. But imagine Jairus right now. It's like, this is kind of an important decision. This is a crisis. Let's go. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of the synagogue ruler and said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? So this crisis went from being a crisis about here to about there. He says, your daughter is dead. Like, just, just leave the master alone. There's no point. And as soon, this is what I love about Jesus. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, so this is Jesus, he turns to Jairus and says, do not be afraid, only believe. And if you think, looking back where Jairus, Jairus, only thing he ever said that we have record of, that come and lay your hands on her and she will be, and she will live. That is the only thing Jairus said. He never said anything else when the, when the, um, person came to get, deliver the bad news. He didn't say anything. Jesus just turned to him and said, fear not, only believe. And that this is the answer to any crisis that you may be in. Is that If that, when that crisis comes your way, that information, that bad report comes your way, do what Jesus said. Fear not. Stop the fear. Only believe. And that's how it is. That's exactly what happened. So when that, when that bad news came for me with that waitress saying, or the, my boss saying, yeah, clearly there's no more shifts for you, that was, a, that was a bad report for someone who just moved out of their house and still learning how to live on their own. But the good news was, Jesus said, your circumstances changed, but my word has not changed. So I refuse, refuse to fear. Stop the fear. Only believe. So verse 37, Jesus let no one follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. He came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw the tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, why make this uproar, uproar and weep? This girl is not dead, but is sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when he put them all out, he took the father and the mother of the girl and those who were with him and entered where the girl was lying. He took the girl by the hand and said to her, I'm not going to pronounce that, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl rose and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were greatly astonished. And then my favorite part, and he directed them to give her something to eat. I just like the food part. <laughs> so Jesus encourages us to eat too. So, this, you know, I don't know why I thought of that. I just thought of that as a side note. Eat something. Sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes that is just the answer. Eat something. So if you're in a bad mood, just eat something. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is exactly, this is Jairus, right? That's the story that when you are going through a crisis, either eat something or get the word in you. I'd say do both. The word is also food. Amen. (laughs) But that's that's the thing. In a time of crisis, fear not. Only believe, and whatever you need 
will be accomplished, will be fulfilled, because this gospel, it is the power of God. It is the strength of God, the ability of God, the might of God to your, for your salvation, for your healing, your deliverance, your rescuing, your provision, whatever you may need is in this word. And that is why we take the time every Sunday morning to come here. We put church first, we put God first, because this is the answer, right? This is why we wake up in the morning, and we don't wake up all sad and depressed, we have good news every morning, good news that Jesus is alive and he is well and he is in us and he is with us. Every morning we wake up with good news on our lips and that is why we're, we're looking for people. Who can we tell? Who can we tell this good news to? Because there's always somebody we'll come across who needs to hear this good news. That's why we don't walk around all depressed and sad. That's why we don't come to church all depressed and sad. Right? You get happy. When you don't feel like it, get in, get in the Word, get happy. Thank you.